Welcome back to the Syracuse Football Podcast. I'm Stephen Bailey, joined as always by Julian Wiggum. We're here to preview Syracuse's Week 2 matchup at Pittsburgh. Panthers ranked number 25 in the country. Of course, two of the Power 5 conferences aren't playing right now, so, you know, chalk it up as you may. It sounds like those two conferences, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, will be playing soon. But uh, for now, Pitt, a top 25 team and, and a second tough matchup for the Orange to open the year. No cupcakes, uh, as we've seen a lot in the past. I think it's a really interesting game. Julian, as we were talking about, you played on a defense like the one Pat Narduzzi runs at Pitt, obviously at Syracuse under Scott Schaefer. And on the other side, I'm really interested to see how the Panthers try and attack Syracuse's 3-3-5. Now they've got now they've got a, a game of film from Syracuse's loss to North Carolina last week. So we're going to get into all that. We got some fan questions. Before we dive in, I need you all to go subscribe to us, whatever you listen to your podcasts on, uh, Apple Store, Spotify, Stitcher. Leave us a nice review, five stars, whatever you're comfortable with. We certainly appreciate. Uh, and it's it's been nice to be back here, this being our third podcast of the year. We're excited to uh, be talking ball with you guys for as long as they decide to play football this year. Uh, so, Julian, let's let's jump in with uh, with Pitt's defense. We know what they are from the last few years, and you know really, really well. Um, I'm, a, I'm sure there was nothing that Scott Schaefer got more excited about in a game plan than an offensive line that was beat up, you know, Syracuse shorthanded. They may only have five guys who they trust this weekend, frankly, with, with Pat Davis hurt. I mean, what do you, what do you think Pitt's talking about right now, and, and what can Syracuse's offense do to kind of get ready for that? Yeah, so that Sunday morning meeting is all about attack, attack, attack. Whenever we had an offensive line or a, a quarterback that like he held the ball too long or an offensive line that seemed suspect, uh, the, the goal before any game plan, before any scheme was, hey, we're coming out attacking more than we typically do. And that's something that I think Pitt's defense has been emphasizing all week long in terms of getting after the quarterback. Uh, they probably already added two or three new blitz packages that they worked on all week to make sure they confuse uh, Syracuse's offensive line. And that's another thing, too, that just worries me in terms of uh, where Syracuse is right now is that there's tape out there now about what they're going to try to do offensively across the line. So Pat Ardizzi and that defensive quarter, they've had an opportunity to see what they like to do to protect the quarterback, and now they can scheme up different blitzes to come after DeVito. And that's, that's kind of my expectation, expectation uh, for this football game is that uh, defensive coordinator, defensive line, linebackers, those guys are all going to try, and try to go after the quarterback um, in every way that they can. So uh, knowing that, if you're Coach Babers, you're offensive coordinator, you're DeVito, you're thinking, i got to get this ball out as soon as I can. Um, and then there's, there's schematic ways to defend against that as well. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a lot of uh, screens from Syracuse's offense this year. Uh, a big game plan that uh, popped up. What game is this? Virginia. Uh, this would have been uh, 2015, my senior year. We played Virginia. That was a team that we thought we could get after the quarterback based off of what their offensive line was giving us. They were a team that were giving up a lot of sacks that year. Uh, the quarterback typically held onto the ball. And our big thing was we have to be after him. I think – uh, we probably ran a blitz 80% of the time. Like almost 80% of our game plan was a blitz. And they managed to get out of that game because they screened us. They screened us uh, probably every other down. And after a while, even though we knew it was coming, we couldn't do anything about it because we were still set, you know, ears back going after the quarterback and, you know, corners of safety sitting back in cover three. We just got to go and tackle it down, but they were still gaining really big yardage off of, uh, off of those plays. So, 
for Syracuse, knowing that a, a big thing for them is going to have to be getting the ball out quickly, uh, the screen game, and, and knowing who that first guy is to get the ball to because uh, that defense is coming after him. And uh, if, if you're watching this game, you know, just, you know, kind of key in on those linebackers and safeties. Who's coming up? Uh, that kid, what's his name? Ford, the safety. Yeah. He loves getting around the line of scrimmage and, and getting after the quarterback, getting after the run game. So I think this is a really difficult matchup for Syracuse's offense and, and what they're trying to do. So this is going to be a, a huge developmental game for DeVito in terms of getting the ball out quickly, uh, being smart about where to go with the football and not trying to force anything because that's, that's, that's how turnovers are created. Yeah, I think the really <laughs> the really scary part for Syracuse should be the personnel that Pitt has. I mean, their line is excellent. Rashad Weaver, their best lineman from two years ago, tore his ACL last year, missed all last year. Obviously, he's back, although he missed week one due to coronavirus-related protocol stuff. I mean, he basically tested positive, but different third-party testers had different results for him. He tweeted about it. So if he – you know, his status for the game is crucial. Uh, senior captain Patrick Jones, 12 tackles for loss last year, eight and a half sacks. I mean, they've, they've got a couple of really good guys on the line. And then you mentioned Paris Ford. Uh, he's constantly in plays near the line. And, and DeMar Hamlin, the two of them might be the best safety tandem in the ACC. I know Andre Sisko and Trill Williams will want to say they're there, and they're right in that conversation too. But I mean, Pitt's got two real playmakers on the back end. Uh, to go with a cornerback in uh, Jason Pinnock, who Syracuse uh, was in on his recruitment and was, I believe, one of the finalists. I remember him visiting uh, visiting for a home game one year late in, late in his process. So uh, some really talented guys on the line and on the back end of the secondary there. I think we're going to see Syracuse try and make some plays out of the slot. I, I would be really surprised if they were able to generate a, a significantly better run game, a traditional run game. I, I think they're going to try and run DeVito again. Um, Pittsburgh will be ready having seen it. And Tommy, Tommy's going to need to get down on some of these guys because Paris Ford, especially is probably one of the most devastating hitters in the country. And you, you don't want to catch that in week two for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think they'll struggle to run the ball. I think the quick passing game is what they're going to have to go to and uh, Personnel-wise, whereas I, I, bet, I think they liked their matchups on the outside better against North Carolina, and we didn't see a lot of tight end usage. The slots were targeted here and there. Uh, I, think they, I think they like their matchups there on the outside linebackers uh, and safeties a little bit better than out wide. But we'll see. You know, we'll see what Pitt gives them, and it's going to be a big test for Sterling Gilbert and Tommy DeVito because, you know, last week didn't go well. Tommy talked a lot about saying he, he thought – everything was just off. He said it didn't feel like last year, but it looked like last year at a lot of times. So, you know, this, this second week might give us a little more to add on to that sample size. And, and maybe we'll see that, you know, that the passing game can be finely tuned. You know, Tommy doesn't miss Anthony Queely on, uh, he doesn't overthrow him there. You know, Taj Harris makes an adjustment and maybe gets a little bit more separation off the, off the, the sideline instead of being run out of bounds. He's, he's got room for the ball to go on his outside shoulder, you know? So there, there's a lot of things they can fix up, but personnel wise, I mean, Pitt was tied for the national lead uh, in sacks last year, like 15th in, in either scoring defense or total defense. I put mm -hmm. up a kind of a scouting report thing on Syracuse.com. So check that out for more on Pitt's personnel, but basically they're really good. Like, you know, one of the best defenses in the ACC, if, if not even a little better than that. Um, let's flip sides of the ball. Uh, Pitt uh, second-year offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, third-year starting quarterback Kenny Pickett. 
those guys have a game of tape to look at. You know, Syracuse's three three five held up really well for three quarters against Carolina, and you saw some of the cracks. The line, the linebackers, uh, Michael Jones, Jeff Kantanarku, Lee Koba, those young guys, maybe not quite having the eye discipline that 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 you need late in the game, which is a natural mistake. Um, you know, you, you saw some tackling issues late, and I think that's happening just about everywhere. But you know, Julian, what what are you kind of looking uh, looking for Pitt to do to maybe exploit some of that? You know, I know they've they've got a, a game plan, and uh, scheme wise, they're usually pretty pass happy. I think Kenny Pickett completed sixty two percent of his passes last year, or something. So lots of mm-hmm. lots of quick game, anyways. But is there anything that you would try and do to to kind of take advantage of what you saw last week? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we typically think of the three-three-five defense as uh, the 3-3-5 stack formation. We've got the three linemen and three linebackers directly behind your uh, – directly behind those linemen, and you're thinking, oh, it's really easy to run against them, right? Well, uh, we actually saw uh, more of a 4-3 look or I guess it would be a 4-2 look uh, from Syracuse's defense where they usually had a linebacker down – uh, especially if there was no slot receiver, it was make it was a very easy adjustment for uh, that outside linebacker to come close to the line and play off the edge of the tackle or the tight end. Um, and having seen that, uh, that leads me to believe that uh, Pitt's defense, Pitt's offense, will likely try to give uh, Syracuse's defense a lot of eye candy, just from the from run game and passing game. Uh, a lot of eye candy for those linebacks to think about because they're the ones that are making the most shifts out of this entire defense. They're the ones who are moving around the most. They're making the most adjustments. So in week one, Pitt's offense, they do like to – they use motion out of the receivers. Probably not as much – or they're not using it um, with an emphasis. But this week, I think that this is something that they're going to try to use to get Syracuse's uh, linebackers off balance. Just using motion to make them think a little bit more. Uh, Using play action and guys running across the field just to make Syracuse's linebackers think about where they need to be. Uh, motion with two running backs out of a shotgun, making one guy come out of the backfield into the, into the spread. Like these things are things that force a linebacker, they force the secondary to think a little bit. And that's what I'm expecting uh, Pitt's offense to do just to, because uh, when you've got a new defense being put in, you know, as an offensive coordinator, as a quarterback, that you've got guys on the other side who aren't entirely sure about where they're supposed to be on defense all the time. So it's, it's an opportunity for Pitt's, uh, Pitt's offense to uh, take advantage of that and try to make some plays. And I think that's going to be more of them trying to make plays downfield out of uh, play action, um, out of emotion with, with, with a running back. I think these are things that are going to be their game plan in terms of uh, opening up their offense. Uh, just as, as we watch the game, I think that's important to, to, to watch for. Just because if you know you're playing against a defense where uh, you've got a lot of young guys up front in the linebacker core, and you want to be able to take advantage of them as best you can. And I think that that's going to be Pitt's emphasis this week in terms of getting uh, big plays uh, downfield. Beyond that, we already know they're a short passing game kind of team. Uh, they like to uh, – you, know, you can see that from their quarterback's uh, completion percentage. I think it's like 60%. Last year, which is by no means bad. So I think they're going to stick with what they do. But to open this game up a bit for themselves, um, expect the eye candy uh, to challenge those linebackers a little bit uh, and get some opportunities downfield. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think defensively Syracuse matches up really well with Pitt on the perimeter. I, I don't think you're going to see them going after those one-on-one matchups. I think they're going to try and 
Um, run the ball if they can. I mean, we'll see. Pitt was not a particularly good running team last year. I know they're trying to put a little bit more of an emphasis on it this year. That They've kind of got the same back and it's similar-ish to Syracuse where they were playing a lot of young guys who weren't, you know, maybe they were ready, maybe they weren't ready, but they definitely didn't play very well. Uh, their center is excellent, and Jim Morrissey is an all-ACC guy. So I think we'll see Syracuse go after the tackles. Um, Steve Linton, uh, the strong side linebacker, was often the fourth guy on the line, and I mean his speed is a real issue for – I think most tackles, frankly, and, and, and it creates a certain level of pressure that then Syracuse did a nice job taking advantage of with some stunts on the inside by the defensive lineman against Carolina. Um, yeah, I will be interested to see if Syracuse can avoid giving up the big play because Pittsburgh was very bad at scoring touchdowns last year, 2.2 a game, which is 116th in the country. So if you can can kind of avoid giving them easy touchdowns um, and make them work for their points, and, and Fran, maybe they will. I mean, 2019, 2020 are different years. We learned nothing in week one. Pitt beat Austin P 55 to nothing. So – you know, t- you know, just throw that, basically throw that away. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you can, you can try and, you know, make them earn their points and maybe they will, you know, Kenny Pickett, but Kenny Pickett's thrown a lot of interceptions. I want to say like 15 over the last two years. So mm-hmm. I think Syracuse's path to at least covering the 20 and a half point spread is good defense. You know, maybe don't get a penalty on a big punt return, and get some <laughs> short fields and don't have your, Lou Groza award-winning kicker missed chip shots because I don't think the offense is, is going to be able to put up that much, but you know, we'll see, you know, maybe I'll be wrong. Um, all right, let's uh, switch over to some fan questions. Appreciate everyone getting them in on such short notice here Thursday night. I think I only maybe posted an hour, hour and a half ago and we got 14 replies. It's not bad. Wow. All right. James Austin. Oh, this is just what we were talking about. Was Taj's 15 targets a result of a new connection between him and TD, or TD doesn't want to hear Taj's mouth on the sidelines? <laughs> uh... um, that, that's hilarious. You know what? Bullying your quarterback in the targets is always a, a great way. <laughs> well, you've probably you probably heard that. Anything from Steelers camp that uh <laughs> that resonates? Yeah. Oh my you? goodness! Yeah, AB. Uh, you know what? This is going to be a self appreciating story, but um, I could think there's it's probably my third or fourth rep ever playing, and AB comes out there and he's looking. He's like, oh yeah, and he goes over to right, and I know it's their signal for a fade. Like, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. I look at Ross, but he gives him like a little wink. I'm like, all right, let me just bail <laughs> and try to run for this thing because I know it's coming. And sure enough, luckily I was able to cover it down. Uh, well, because I knew I know what a fade signal looks like. I know what you want to do if you want to take advantage of a corner. And AV comes back to the like not even uh, 15 yards, but he's walking back to the huddle, snapping. Snapping on Roethlisberger, <laughs> you see that rookie on me? <laughs> Get me the ball. I don't care what the route is. I don't care where he is. And then, sure enough, he got three straight passes, all completions. <laughs> so, and of course, I, I, I'm the, I, I was the one that lost all three of those reps. But yeah, I mean, I, I've seen guys who get after the quarterback and let them know, hey if you see this, get me the ball. And sometimes, like just, just really putting this in perspective, though, uh, if the receiver is right, like A.B. was on a few of those conversations, like, hey, if you see this zone, I'm open. I'm your best guy. Like, that logic 
it speaks to a quarterback because one, he wants to get completion too, and B, if your if your receiver understands the offense just as well as you do, and he's making sense, hey, I should get in the ball for X, Y, and Z reasons. Chances are your quarterback's going to go to that guy a little bit more because he trusts him now. He understands, okay, this guy knows what he's seeing. I can go there. I'm on page with you. And that's part of the development. So while I'm making a joke like, hey, sometimes bullying your quarterback is a great way to get targets, in this scenario, it really might be. <laughs> just, be just because it's saying, hey, I'm seeing this. What are you, you seeing? We need to see the same thing right now because we're, you know, behind the eight ball in terms of development. We had no spring, no summer. There need that type of relationship could be really beneficial for uh, for DeVito and his receivers because, you know, it's it's a matter of understanding something quickly. So it forces a dialogue. It forces communication. So, yeah, I'm all for bullying your quarterback into getting the ball more, especially if you're the best guy on the field, Taj Harris. So um, I like it, and there's some benefit to it. Um, and I, I hope to see if it continues. Yeah, I think – the thing that gives me pause <laughs> is that they did this all of last year and it never really worked. Yeah. And I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things working against them. And in, in short, Taj got 15 targets because of the matchup. I mean, he's their best receiver. I don't think he's going to be targeted mm-hmm. on 50% of the passes over the course of the season. I just, I don't think the game plan is going to dictate that they like that matchup. Yeah. Storm duck played pretty good defense on him. They were, there was definitely one like clear pass interference. We had his hand yeah. in Taja's collar going down the right sideline. Um, I think they need to make a couple adjustments there. I, they need to, you need to leave more room on the sideline, man. You're running the, the go and the fade and just getting ridden out of bounds. And yeah, you know, it's that's, not frust- that's frustrating for everybody. It's like, there's nowhere for the quarterback to put the ball. And, right. I think you know. that was a really good point because, you know, there's a lot of QB criticism, which I don't really understand because in college football, typically your backup quarterback is nowhere near as good as your starter. Yeah, it's, especially at Syracuse. <laughs> especially yeah. at a Syracuse. Like, I, I, we really need to have conversations about what is Syracuse football and what should we truly like, – that, that's a good conversation for another day. But um, when it comes to the quarterback situation, I, I think DeVito got a lot of um, unnecessary blame, especially for balls that were going out of bounds or seeming like – uh, he was trying to fit into a tight one because he was. And a lot of times receivers aren't doing what they need to be doing. If you're on the sideline and you have less than uh, two feet to you, and you lost that rep. Like you lost that rep. And uh, Harris lost his rep twice. Sure, he caught the ball, but there was no space. And uh, as a receiver, as a receiver coach, you're always taught stack your defender. And if you're not stacking him, he's winning because he's driving you closer and closer to the sideline. And that's an extra defender in terms of the cornerback, the way the cornerback's thinking. He wants to use that sideline to squeeze you and make sure there's no space. So uh, I, I think that there's certainly uh, measures of development that we can watch for uh, this week in terms of is Taj on the sideline um, or is DeVito just truly missing balls? But it, you can't put a lot of or everything on DeVito um, after week one because there, there was a number of things that we saw from receivers and the offensive line that contributed to such a, a poor offensive performance. No, I, I totally agree. And, and there were certainly plays that Tommy missed. I mean, you can't overthrow mm-hmm. Queely. Uh, you know, he had Hackett in the end zone once. But, yeah, but it goes both ways. And, right, when you have these miscommunications with Taj, which happen, like, all the time. I mean, Tommy was expecting him to run a stop, and he turns inside, you know. 
I'm not I'm not in the film room, so I can't break that. I can't tell you who was wrong, but like mm-hmm. they have not been able to get on the same page, and that carries over all the way to last year. So, I mean, I think you're still going to see Taj targeted. I, I think based on matchups, you do see the slots and tight ends get a higher percentage this week. But you know, maybe something something works out, and you got a good matchup on the outside. You know, Pitt, one of Pitt's starting corners, Damari Mathis, was lost for the year, I believe, during camp. Um, so they've got a couple sophomores starting opposite Pinnock. Maybe you like a matchup there as the game goes on. I, I don't know, but I think it's going to be partially, um, partially game game plan based. But I mean, obviously Taj is going to be a big part of the offense, and him and Tommy have to figure it out. Like there's there's no other way. Like they have to figure it out, uh, or the offense is not going to do very well. Another one from James: uh, If this game season gets out of control, which freshman QB would we see first? Well, I mean, Rex is obviously the next guy in line. If you have to go to a third player, I, right now I would say one of the one of the true freshmen because red, the redshirt freshman David Summers didn't travel. Dino Dino brought both of his true freshmen and not his redshirt freshmen, which unless David Summers is hurt, which is possible, that says something. You know, that says those two, uh, Jacoby and Morgan and Dylan Markowitz, are ahead of David and. In a year like this, where every coach in the country is worried about transfers, like when, when everyone was talking about are they going to play, are they not going to play, all the coaches at the schools are, are we not going to play? Their first thought is, are all my best players about to transfer? So, that, you know, that's – I'm sure when Dino's making the decision of who do I bring on my travel roster, he's thinking, well, if I'm only bringing four quarterbacks, who am I telling is fifth in line? Because whoever's fifth in line probably yep. is going to at least think about going somewhere else. Out of there. You know, and again, he may be hurt. I, I don't know. But so I would say one of the two freshmen, look, I haven't seen either of them throw in person. I'm not going to tell you one's better than the other. They brought both. I, I can't imagine either of them got significant reps during camp this year just because there weren't a lot to go around. Um, if, if that becomes a topic of conversation, the season will have gotten out of control. Uh, one more from James. Will we see more jet sweeps and screens this week in order to counter the rush up front? Yeah, I think screens make sense. Um, yeah, maybe maybe jet sweeps too. I mean, we'll see. They tried some things last week. We saw kind of a misdirection swing pass to Nikeem Johnson. We saw Jawar Jordan line up like 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage and run. Then yeah. he obviously didn't run forward before the snap, but like they tried to give him like a running start. So they're they're clearly trying things. Uh, I don't know how well they're going to work, but yeah. I mean, if I'm Sterling Gilbert, I certainly have a couple of a couple of looks ready to go that I didn't show. Uh, against Carolina. Uh, Dino, Dino's burner. How are you doing? What changes are you looking for from the offense and defense this week? Nice and specific. <laughs> what what haven't I mentioned? Um, you know, I don't think the screen game was we, – we talked about it a bunch, but I do – and then, you know, just, just to the other uh, question, uh, I don't expect uh, the jet sweep to be heavily featured only because um, it, it's a slow-developing play. And anything that takes a while to, to get going as an offense, you want to eliminate that if you're a Syracuse offense because you really don't have that much time to begin with. Um, but something to anticipate is a concept called replacing the blitzer. So wherever you see a majority of uh, blitz packages coming from, whether that's the safety coming down, or and this is something that you learn throughout a game, but offenses do it where they see something coming off the edge, you're trying to hit that spot. Right there, the steward's going – he's not running around, he's replacing that spot where there's a gap. And the quarterback's trying to get right there. So, I was, uh, as, a, as a fan, someone watching the game, uh, I think that's really important to watch uh, in terms of Syracuse's offense. How often are they trying to 
replace that gap and replace replace that blitzer because I think it's going to be a, a big key in terms of gaining yard, easy yards. So uh, that leads me to believe that there may be more tight ends featured in this game, close to the line, protect, but then if you're seeing something where a blitz is supposed to show, yeah. boom, that tight slip end out. is right there. Yep. You can slip out and, and make a play. So um, those are some things I think that the offense can do. On defense, you know, if, if you – can create three turnovers or at least be plus three in the turnover margin, there's not really all that much that you want to change. You know, you're, you're asking your guys for alignment assignment football. Again, we're early in the season where your defensive guys are typically ahead of offenses. Even at Pittsburgh, they're probably still ahead. And that's to Syracuse's advantage. You don't have to play very complex defense. You don't have to move around uh, in your zones and man. You can kind of stick to one or the other and let your front, uh, in this case, front six guys, make plays, and that's, that's to their advantage. So um, as a 3-3-5 three, three, and, and what they've done so far, I don't think there's too much that they need to change. They have one of the best secondaries in the ACC, uh, and I think they should continue to take advantage of that. Man coverage at the end of the game, and then allow your guys to get comfortable up front because the more they're making tackles, I'm telling you, when you make that first tackle, especially behind the line, you're more comfortable as a defender. Contact is your best friend. So um, I'm thinking that the defensive side of the ball – we don't see that much change just because they already were playing well. They're doing a great job of creating turnovers for themselves. And if you got one of the best secondaries in the country, use them, play man, allow your front six guys to make some plays up front. Yeah, I agree with you. I think got to find a way to get to Pickett. I think they like a lot of their matchups up there. Again, the middle, you might not be – it might not be quite as easy to create pressure, but on the edge, Steve Linton is a guy who, who I would be taking a hard look at, number 17 – um, maybe you put a different packet blitz package or something in. We saw Cisco blitz once or twice in the Carolina game, but com- coming off the edge, I think that's where you find it. One thing that stands out to me on offense is, you know, I don't think the offensive line is going to get a better push naturally, but I think targeting in the run game can be a lot better. Like if you go back and watch the game, I mean, they basically, they run inside zone and power and probably a couple other things that are slightly more nuanced or, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm sure I don't see everything, but they run a lot of inside zone and power. And it just, it, I think I talked about this last time. It just looked like guys were going through skeleton, like the pullers on power were just cutting tight around the corner and no one was stretching out to get the outside linebacker who would just tackle the running back, you know, inside zone, the guards would take a step up field. No one was there. So they'd go to the second level and then the linebacker would come in and tackle the running back. So, I mean, easier said than done. I'm obviously, you know, I'm not going to criticize those guys for that. I think it's natural with what they've been through, but a, fe- a game feel, right? I mean, you've been out there. You've played against a different team. You've got a feel for what the actual timing is like. You know, and like I play a lot of basketball. It's one thing to run like a pick and roll in practice with like an, an empty gym, but like when a defender's there and he hedges way up, you need, to, you need to run this differently. Like, if they're playing underneath, you need to run this differently. So, the, I think the, the feel-related stuff, right, and the targeting in the run game, I think naturally can get better. Those guys are all capable of doing that, and it, it could give the running backs a little bit of a better chance to be productive. So, something that stands out to me, but obviously a lot. <laughs> There's a lot that could be better uh, on that side of the ball. Uh, Zeke playing Sunday. Does Pittsburgh have a better defense than UNC? And will he be able to protect DeVito better? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Pittsburgh does. Definitely on the defensive line. I mean, Pitt's D-line is really, really, really good. That's going to be a problem. I think it's going to be clear from the get-go. Um, I think Syracuse knows that. I think the game plan is being built around that. Uh, Carolina had better linebackers. Uh, I mean, 
one man's opinion, I think Carolina's linebackers were probably the strength of its defense and a couple of defensive backs you could throw in there too. So, you know, what, what can you do with Pittsburgh there? Maybe, like we said, you kind of replace the blitzer, you attack the middle of the field with, with screens and, and with drop downs to your tight ends. Maybe you can create, create some space in there that you can take advantage of, um, get guys like Courtney Jackson in it. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like Taj Harris playing out of the slot more. If you like that spot on the field, maybe you move your best receiver into the slot. We saw Taj work out of the slot a little bit against Carolina. Um, Pittsburgh's back end is, is really excellent. I mean, and this, both those safeties are really good. You know, we'll see about those sophomore corners. Maybe you go after them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Pittsburgh on paper has the better defense. Of course, this year is kind of crazy, so maybe I'll be wrong. But they're, they're certainly projected as a better defense. Uh, will Syracuse be able to protect DeVito better? Probably not. Uh, will Syracuse <laughs> score more points this week than six? I would say probably yes. They'll probably score more points than six. It just seems like a variance thing, right? I mean, you get a couple of turnovers and Schmidt kicks a couple of field goals. It, if they score fewer than six points, that'd be really bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's like a there's like really a code red in a season like this just because of how weird it is, but I mean, that would be so demoralizing. I I, I think that would really be hard for the offense to get it together, even in more winnable matchups in the next few weeks, just from a confidence perspective, especially if the offensive line doesn't play well, so much of that's above the shoulders. So um, I do think they'll score more than six points, but I don't think they'll score enough to beat Pitt. Uh, Nemo, nobody. What does DeVito need to do to become the quarterback? We all know he can be. It's like the most optimistic DeVito question we've gotten all all week. Um, Yeah. But I agree. I agree. I mean, he, he has the potential. I think, for me, I think it's he needs to be like 10% more aggressive. And it's funny, when you think back to like how he played the year he backed up Dungey, like he just came in and ripped. Like absolutely yeah. let it rip. You know, no, you know, I mean, I don't, obviously he was thinking, but like you didn't see him hesitate as much. And it was different because he was playing with a great line. And, you know, I think there's kind of no, you know, I don't know if the expectations now actually get to him, but there were no expectations. You're the backup quarterback. Come in and come in and sling it. So can, can he find that again with this offensive line? I, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if there's a, there's a, a mentality way to channel that, but I mean, to me, that's what it is, right? We always talk, you need to get the ball out faster, mm-hmm. but, but is there a spot to go with it or is, you know what I mean? Yeah. How much tighter do you try and, and thread the needle? And I think you saw a couple moments in the Carolina game. He had Aaron Hackett in the end zone. So he's rolling to his right. Hackett was covered and then he was open and then he was covered again. There's one of those things where it's like, if you're ready to throw it, you have him, but if not, you don't. And when you get hit again and again and again, and you're so used to it not being there, you can understand why someone would be a little more cautious with the ball. So he just needs to be a good risk taker, I guess, which is like kind of an oxymoron. Um, what else we got here from Nemo? How much of it is mental and how much of it is play calling? Uh, it's, really, it's really hard to assess that. I mean, I think it's, it's really opportunity-based. Uh, was Dungy the reason this offense was explosive? I'm, I'm hesitant to say that. It's, it's really hard to judge. I think it was the offensive line, if I'm being honest with you. Just having seen everything I've seen, I think a lot of it is the offensive line. But Dungy's ability to run helped that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do, you, do, would you, what do you think? How much of like that success in the 10-3 and three season is, is Dungy-based? 
Yeah, so I, I can't give him a hundred percent, but I will I, I say he played a large percentage, um, somewhere between thirty-five and forty-five percent. Uh, but you got to think about who else, what other variables were there. One, there was a much better, much better offensive line. Two, he played with great receivers throughout his career. He was starting back with Ahmed Howell, you know, All American. Um, Steve Ishmael, I think we ended up being all like all American, you know what I'm saying? And then um, uh, the last guy ended up being all ACC, Jamal Custis, uh, or I don't even know if he's all ACC, but he had a good year, you know. So he played with receivers who could change games. All three of them changed games where he had nothing else to do but throw the ball up. Those guys would come down with it and boom, it's a big play. Um, I think these are things that DeVito doesn't have. Tosh is a good run, is a good receiver. Um, I'll, I'll, give play, him Tristan. Him. I'll give him Tristan. Tristan's uh, Tristan. a good receiver, but Tristan Jackson. You, you're 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 definitely not wrong, and I think you had a little, maybe a little more reliability out of the slot, right, with Brisley mm-hmm. and or Phillips. Hundred percent. And mm-hmm. again, what, when you have an offensive line, you have a running game. Like I don't necessarily yeah. think Dante Strickland and Mo Neal would be like out here tearing it up behind this line in this offense. Whereas I think if you probably put like Jawar Jordan or Abdul Adams behind that that. 2018 offensive line they probably average yeah. five yards a carry so it's it's tough you know I don't want to diminish like how good Eric Dungy was and how incredible he was to watch because like, truly I haven't covered anyone like him it was unbelievable you never knew what he was going to do next but he was able to do those things because of the offensive line and again you know you know you know this kind of gets washed away a little bit he had serious like injury and injury history you know he didn't finish two what two seasons Mm-hmm. Two, th- two seasons, three seasons. So what do you think is going to happen if he's playing behind this offensive line and he decides yeah. not to, like, avoid any hits? I mean, yeah. he wouldn't I, – I, I, I don't think this team would win significantly more games with Eric Dungeon than Tommy DeVito. No, and that's the thing is, you know, thinking back, back to – we were pretty good on benching him too. At least I was. No, I think it was, uh, what was it, senior year. Around After the, the North, North Carolina, Carolina game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people were all for, I don't know what it is about going to the back of quarterback. But I guess in this case, it was it was a worthy conversation because David was playing really well. But, um, you know, we, we, there was a, a, a sizable amount of people who wanted to move on from Dungy and uh, start with DeVito. And it was because of his ability to open up the offense. We saw a beautiful deep ball, uh, the completions that he was making, the uh, comeback ability that he had. And that was him in a much different offense than Dungy was, or at least a much different than he's in now, uh, where he's got an offensive line, where he's got talent on the outside, where he's got talent on the, at the slot position. Now, and, and, time, know, and time. And to time. And all of those plays. Exactly. Exactly. Where I just don't think he has that now. So I think he's working with two – uh, entirely different offenses, and we're seeing what can happen when uh, the things around you are falling apart. You know, even if you had, um, you know, a, a, a more uh, a bigger playmaker, say a Dungy, I, th- I think that this offense and the way that it's currently built um, doesn't allow for um, the success that we expect it to have, um, no matter who the quarterback is. Yeah, that's a really interesting conversation to think about. Right? Yeah, it's such a fun exercise for anyone who appreciates sports, right? Like, what would this player do? On that team, right. I love the NBA. So it's like, what would you know Jordan do on one of these modern teams? Or if you put LeBron back twenty years, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I understand why a Syracuse fan would think Eric Dungy is kind of the fix-all, and uh, and he deserves that legacy with everything he did. But I I don't think Eric Dungy can fix this. I really don't. Um, 
Last one from Nemo. Is Dino's offense too simplistic and has the ACC caught up? Um, I don't know about too simplistic, but I think there is some level of predictability with it, especially when you can kind of only do so much. I mean, especially, you know, in the run game, right? I mean, they really only run a few different sets. And, you know, maybe they have wrinkles and do things differently, but they run their base plays. And, yeah, there's some predictability to it. Um, that said, I, I think there's predictability to a lot of the offenses, you know, in the ACC. If you play the same team every year, you get used to what they do. I mean, like we're talking about, we know what Pittsburgh's defense is going to do. Tommy DeVito and the Sterling Gilbert and Dino Babers at least have an idea. It doesn't mean you won't get caught off guard by something. That's that's kind of the game. But, uh, yeah, to an extent you know, but not having that element of surprise, whereas Tony White does with the three three five, definitely hurts you when you have personnel limitations. So, you know, I, it just, it just kind of is what it is at this point. I don't think they're going to try to reinvent the offense. Uh, Mike DeFelice. Are we still <laughs> a little contrast to the last DeVito question? Are we still pretending DeVito is legit D1 QB? He doesn't have pocket presence poised to QB at this level. He sacked himself five out of seven times last week. In my opinion, I would disagree with that. Uh, it's groundhog's day. He plays scared, but he'd be amazing flag football quarterback. Also, why can't Dino recruit any competition? We'll disregard all the DeVito stuff because we just talked about him. Dino's inability to bring in quality quarterbacks is absolutely a worthwhile discussion. I mean, they, they, he hasn't. He frankly has not been able to bring in anyone as good as Tommy DeVito or, or close to competing with him. They could, for three straight cycles, they couldn't get a guy who they wanted to, except for Chance Amy, who only picked Syracuse because um, I believe Houston's offensive coordinator left for another school late in the process. I mean, they settled at the end of the next two cycles and, you know, they got two guys last year, but they didn't get either of their top targets and they've been really, really selective. I I will, you know, I will say this, they got a guy who they really like this year and Justin Lamson uh, from the Sacramento area, dual threat quarterback. If you pull up his tape and are one of, one of the done, someone in the dungy camp that we were just talking about, you're going to like Justin Lamson. I mean, he plays really hard. He played through, I don't know if it was an ankle injury or foot injury. He, or knee injury. It might've been a knee. He basically played through an injury all the way through his junior year and led his team to a title. It was like the most dungy thing you could really draw up. So, um, so maybe he's someone who, who comes in and does add some competition, but it's totally fair to criticize Dino for not bringing, being able to bring good enough quarterbacks. And I've said this before. I mean, he should have gone out and gotten more offensive linemen the last two off seasons. If he didn't learn two years ago, you just bring in too many. Like I know they've gotten some bad breaks, but you know, that's, there's, there's, there's some real room for criticism there. I, th- I think that's all fair. Finally, a hard-hitting question. Orange Chuck, what's a better food, pizza and wings, or Tully's Tenders? Do you get Tully's while you're up here, Julian? Tully's, 110%, man. That's, that's where I take first dates. That's where, <laughs> you know, I go. That was my uh, Thursday night food before games. You know, it was the Tully's Tenders, brownies and ice cream before we traveled. So I'm 100% Tully's Tenders all the way. I even started to dabble in the buffalo. I was about to say regular um, buffalo. Maybe. See, I'm a buffalo guy. Yeah, I, I didn't. I was mad at myself because I didn't discover buffalo, I think, until my senior year. And then I was like, oh, my God, I'm missing out. So, yeah, I got to go Tully's Tenders 110%. Now, here's the real trick. This is the pro <laughs> mm-hmm. move. You get the buffalo tenders, but you get an extra side of honey mustard for the fries because the honey mustard is really good. 
Yeah. See, you know what? You know what? No, I, I'm saying like I didn't know yet. I, I would put the, the, the honey mustard on my fries. Um, and then I, I would mix it up a little bit. Though. And you can see how fat I was. I lived with off at the line. I'd mix it up and put the cheese and bacon as well. That's for a little mm. side of cheese, a little bacon. They give you like this nacho cheese, throw the bacon on there. Yeah. Yeah. So I started, again, I started with the honey mustard when I had the regular tenders. But once I moved to Buffalo, I had to get the ranch. I had to switch it up with the fries a little bit. So we go with the bacon and cheese. Um, that's when I was on my calorie hunt, too. So that probably played a part of it. But, uh, I've never yeah, been a part of a calorie hunt. <laughs> <laughs> I like the sound of that, though. That could be like a great pandemic activity. Like It's not a scavenger hunt. It's a calorie hunt. <laughs> you need to eat all five of these different foods in the next yes. five hours. <laughs> that, that is exactly how I was living for a good period of my time in Syracuse. A major calorie hunt between Wendy's and every other fast food place I could find. So, uh, yeah, Tully was a, a big part of that, uh, that calorie hunt, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think in Syracuse, I probably come down on the Tully side. It depends. Like, there are some, there are some solid wings here. Uh, Dino's Wango Tango are always going to be my mm-hmm. go-to. I still haven't had OIP. I've heard really good things. Well, next time I really want to break the wallet, I'll go get some of theirs. Um, Pizza-wise, I'm spoiled, man. I'm from the New Haven area, so like, they, if you, anytime you pull up like best pizza in the world lists, Sally's and Peppy's and Modern are all going to be right near the top. And there's even a couple other ones there that 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 get in there. So Syracuse pizza has never quite done it for me, and that doesn't mean I, I won't eat it. Pavones uh, <laughs> every once in a while, or, or maybe uh, Mario and Salvos, but I think I, I my my standards are just too high for pizza and buffalo <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll hit that spot every time like i might have to go pick up tallies after this look at that see these are the questions that matter these yeah, are the questions that matter. we appreciate that all right <laughs> q streams 327 can we look at more five yard slants and tight end pop seam plays to get the offense going yes yeah i think that's fair i mean i think you're looking for an extension of the run game right i mean we talked about when, when pittsburgh's blitzing that space on the field in the middle is probably there but even generally speaking, if you're if you're not able to run the ball for three yards on first down, that slant, you know, should hopefully hopefully be there if you're Syracuse, depending on how I guess Pitt's right. defending it. So, yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> Michael Kelly, who will score Syracuse's first touchdown of the season? <laughs> it's such like a backhanded question, but like it's fair. It really question. is. It is. Um, I'm going to say Aaron Hackett. I'm going to say Aaron Hackett because uh, he's been really good in the red zone. Uh, Syracuse's tight end, obviously. Super reliable hands. Um, you know, I mean, he, we've talked about what Aaron does really well. I just think, you know, he, he uses space in the red zone well. Um, he, I think when plays break down, he is usually trying to find open space, whereas some of the receivers just seem to run to the line at the edge of the field and, like, it just kind of all dies there and maybe has a little bit better feel for that. But you know what? Actually, no. Andre Sisko. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. Aaron's my second choice, but Andre Sisko. Yeah, right. I go with the fun choice. Uh, yeah, I, I love the beat on QB sneak. I, I feel like some kind of way it's going to end up being a, a big play that ends up getting stopped on the one, and then the quarterback goes ahead and sneaks it in. So I'll go with the beat on QB sneak, first touchdown of the game. I like that. He actually almost ran one in. Uh, against Carolina, he just got tripped up. I mean, yep. it's so funny if he if that shoestring tackle isn't made, 
you know, that's another touchdown right there. Like they could have had three. Obviously, Sherrod Johnson not catching the, the slot fade and then Nikeem Johnson's punt return for touchdown being called back due to penalty. Like I actually thought Tommy looked pretty good running it. And I thought for sure when he pulled the RPO on fourth and one in the red zone that he was going to get it. And Tamon mm-hmm. Fox, that was like an unbelievable play for him to goes and gets him. Yep. to read it, to go and get him. Yeah, I mean, I would be letting him go 10 times out of 10 based on what they saw last year. So, yeah, it, it could be DeVito. Um, Cuse Dan, do you think O-line development is not good at all? It's a little harsh. Um, Pat Davis in the system four years, Kadir a four-star, and they start a fullback in your place. Something is not right. Um, it's definitely fair to say something is not right. Uh, you know, like I said, I think they should have recruited more veteran offensive linemen. I think it's fair to, fair to be relatively critical of their lack of development for some young guys. You know, they ran into some rough breaks. Like I think Anthony red, like I can't officially say that he's hurt, but he would be on the depth chart if he wasn't hurt or I haven't heard anything about him opting out. Like, He's someone who they really like, who's a young player. I mean, Dakota Davis is hurt. Chris Bleich didn't have his waiver approved. Um, you know, and Dino, uh, regarding Elmore, like Dino defended him. He basically said, if you're going to talk about the offensive line, don't point your finger at Chris Elmore. And, uh, you know, having gone back and watched the game, I think that's fair. I mean, I, he didn't, you know, I don't think he played perfect, but I think you could probably pick any of those five guys and pull up a couple plays where they, they made a mistake, be it a lapse in pass protection or a missed target or, um, you know, a penalty, something like that. So, yeah, I, I, again, I think my, you know, if I'm laying the blame, I'm, I'm going, going to the coaching staff. And, you know, you know, some of it can go on the offensive line coach and Mike Cavanaugh for maybe not developing guys. But uh, we're still only one game in into the season here. And I think guys like Vettorello and Bergeron and Dakota Davis when they get back, Let's see, let's see what they do with four or five games. Let's see if they're better than last year um, because I know those guys have certainly been working hard at it. Um, so that's, that's on them to an extent. And the lack of players behind them, I, I do believe, is on Dino. And, and Pat Davis, I don't think he returned when he got banged up at Carolina. So if he doesn't make the trip to, uh, to Pittsburgh, I, I don't really know who their backup linemen are. Like Mark Petrie is the German junior college tackle who weighs 265 pounds, who is your third tackle, I guess. And then I don't know who would be on the inside. Maybe Josh Ilaoa, who's a true freshman. Um, yeah, it's, it's looking real bad on the second team offensive line. So if they have to go to that at Pittsburgh, you might just want to take Tommy out right then and there. Uh, Turnpike Mike is Tommy DeVito's interceptionless streak contributing to him refusing to be aggressive and making quick reads. He seemed to be unwilling to let the ball go last week. I mean, I don't think he's trying to like keep the streak alive. You know, it's not like someone trying to pad the stats or anything, but you know, we, we talked about it. I just think it's a product of what's in front of him. He probably needs to be a little more aggressive. Um, but it's also an un- kind of – it's a tough expectation because when you only have so many opportunities, your margin for error is super thin. All right, this is a good one. Doc Renald, what's your first offensive play call against Pitt and why? Mm. Against Pitt. Um, you know what? I would probably, you know, just to stick to my guns here, screen, screen. I know it's coming. I mean, you know it's coming. You know the blitz is coming uh, first play. Are you, oh, am I, am I doing this the wrong way? Is it supposed to be um, first play against their defense or their offense? Yeah, I think it's Syracuse's offense. First play for Syracuse's offense. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm going screen 110%. One, get your quarterback confidence right away. It's easy completion. And then two, you know they're blitzing. You know they're blitzing 100%. So, yeah, I'm coming up with uh, some sort of screen to uh, give myself a chance. And then B, probably going to slide a little more play action, something big over the top, just to, just to stretch them a little bit and make them think about coming. So, yeah, I, I'd like the screen, but um, here and there I'm going big shot, taking a shot downfield, make them think about it a little bit. I'm going wide receiver pass, wide receiver pass, quick, quick throw to Taj Harris and uh, maybe send Nikeem Johnson on a deep post. Send it down. Mm. The Taj played some quarterback in high school. He can sling it. So, that old LSU play? Yeah. Yeah, it could. I mean, I like it. it could work. We'll see. Um, probably inside zone for like two yards, though, is what I would guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, look at this. Uh First comment, a dive to the smallest, fastest guy on the field for no gain or a DeVito sack. Yeah. All very likely. Very yeah. likely. I hope not. Hopefully it's more fun than that. Um, all right. Those are, I believe, all the questions we got, unless anything came in. Uh, I got a couple quick ones at the end here from Todd Loshaw. Where's Kadir White, Russell Thompson Bishop, and Patrick Davis? Did they opt out? Are they injured? All good questions. Uh, Kadir White. I did see wasn't dressed in, in camp at some point. Um, he was just pictured in like long sleeves and shorts. Uh, so I don't know if that's an injury or not, but I don't think he's opted out. To, just to be clear here, I get like two questions for Dino a week. I get one on Monday and then one after the game. And I get one question for every time I talk to a player. So it's three on Tuesday and one after the game. So it's pretty hard to get <laughs> to get on the record information this season, but that's my understanding of Kadir. I don't think Russell Thompson Bishop's close to the rotation. He's just a, a senior, and I, I know, you know, I just I just don't think he's close to contributing. Uh, and Pat Davis got hurt in Carolina. He was their sixth lineman. Uh, he rotated in at guard a little bit. I think that was mostly when they wanted to use Elmore as a fullback or tight end. Um, but yeah, he's he's seemingly hurt, and that's a big deal because, like I said. They don't really have any other linemen who I think are really close to game ready. Uh, one more from Todd. Is or should Dino be on the phone with uh, McCaffrey, the transfer for, transfer quarterback from Michigan right now? Uh, I don't know if he is. Um, it wouldn't be a bad idea. I don't know exactly what you're going to sell him on because Tommy will probably be back next year. And then technically he has eligibility for another year after that. So – it's a tough call. I mean, I, I think you want to bring in the competition that you can. I do think they'll probably take – I don't know this for sure. I think it would be wise to take a second high school quarterback this year, especially if, you know, we'll see how it shakes out for the three guys they have now. Again, if you're a redshirt freshman scholarship quarterback and you're fifth in the pecking order, you might not yeah. be there too much longer. We just saw another redshirt freshman, Drew Gunther, just transferred. So, um, so yeah, I think they need to bring in another quarterback – that would be great if they could get a quarterback transfer from Michigan from Syracuse's perspective, but you know, put that on the wish list. All right. I think that's all we got. Thanks everybody for listening. Some really good questions there. That was a lot of fun. I am going to go get some tellies uh, for Stephen Bailey and Julian Wiggum. That was the Syracuse football podcast. Enjoy the game. Syracuse at Pittsburgh Saturday at noon, going to be on the ACC network. We will talk to you afterward. (laughs) 